This is Fall on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to a little thing we like to call the Ball on Blast podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and as always, I'm joined by my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what is good? I'll tell you what's good. Getting $330 million over 13 years to play baseball in Philadelphia. <laughs> like my boy. Like my boy, Bryce Harper just got today. Let me ask you I'm something. Like, Hold on. What was your yeah. Bryce Harper takes before this day happened? Oh, he was trash. <laughs> just making sure. He was 100% trash because he played for the Washington Nationals and he was a me first guy. Okay. And he was bigger than the game. He was bigger than the team. Um, he was a bit of a showboat. He was showing up other players. <laughs> he thought he should have. He, should, he thought he had the the world, the world, and baseball owed him everything, and he wanted it all on a silver platter. But you know what? You, you know what, Sheldon? Times change, okay? And people grow. <laughs> yes. And circumstances they change around sometimes. And now Bryce Harper is a team first guy. Hey, and, that's pretty good. And now, now he's going to be, uh, he, he's doing it for the right team. He's doing it for the Philadelphia Phillies, the red and white pinstripes. <laughs> uh, le, uh, and like with just a stacked lineup. But listen, this isn't, this isn't baseball on blast. Oh, you know what I'm saying? There is a basketball it's in not, the logo. Yes. <laughs> there is a basketball in the logo. And you know what? One of uh, Philadelphia's other great sports teams, they're playing right now on Thursday night TNT basketball. And right now, they're looking pretty good. They're they're getting after the uh, the the Thunder, Oklahoma City, right now in the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Thursday night means big big night in the NBA. The Sixers are up right now, playing really well. And you know what? We're gonna start in the Eastern Conference on this week's ep of the Ball on Blast podcast, but. There's a few little particulars let's get through first once. First off, just want to say shouts to the followers that we got on SoundCloud. Those are the day ones that have been with us for a while. Appreciate all the people there. Uh, Shouts to the people listening on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Google Play, and on YouTube. Really appreciate all you guys liking and subscribing. Again, if you would like to do so, hit up any of those places and just search On Blast Podcast, where you can find this podcast as well as a little something we call the Wrap It Up Podcast. But after we get the particulars out of the way, let's get to it. And big week in the Eastern Conference, because there was a massive, massive showdown for, you know, teams that people predicted at the start of the year <laughs> might be might be there at the end, let's say, if that's the right way to put it. And it was your Toronto Raptors playing against the Boston Celtics. And the Raptors happened to run the Celts out of the gym. Let's just start there. What did you make of that game? The game was over in the second quarter. It really was. I mean, it, there was really no reason to watch halftime and anything <laughs> past that, man. Like, the, the, the Celtics just did not show up. And, I mean, I know that you definitely as well, just like me, it was almost worth it to stay up to watch the end of the game for the postgame. Oh, totally. Because that was going to be more entertaining than anything that happened on the court. But here's what I love about this kind of dead stretch that we're in towards the end of the season and the beginning of the playoffs is now it seems like every night or every other night mm-hmm. there is, especially in the Eastern Conference, 
one of those top five teams or two of those top five teams playing each other. Yeah. No, totally. Totally true. And you know what? The funny thing to me is that the Boston Celtics keep we keep waiting for them to kind of flick the switch. Kyrie Irving, as you mentioned, is giving us great post game after each and every Celtics oh. loss, which is very entertaining as well. But you're right. That game was completely crazy. It was over in the second quarter. And the big thing there that we saw, or at least for me anyways, was seeing the growing chemistry, which Raptors fans will be happy to see, between Kyle Lowry and Marc Gasol. Because the game was over in the second quarter, but it was that 18-0 run. And it was a lineup of Kyle Lowry, Marc Gasol, and then the rest of the bench being Norm, OG, and who was the last person? Jeremy Lin. That was basically... Well, you say... You say Marcus Gasol and the rest of the bench, but at this point, isn't it like Kyle Lowry and the bench? It's essentially. Uh, I want to ask you, what do you think of Marcus Gasol coming off the bench? And first off, sorry, I made a mistake. In during that eighteen zero run, it was Gasol, Lowry, Norm, McCaw, and OG, not Jeremy Lin. But anyways, point remains: Kyle Lowry in the bench. As long as Marcus Gasol remains on the bench, what do you think of that decision in terms of Marcus Gasol starting or being a bench guy? I really, uh, if you would ask me this when they made the move, I would have said, oh, yeah, you got to get Gasol into the starting lineup right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, If not, give him a couple of games to figure it out with coming off the pine. But now the way that I see that Nick Nurse is running this, because what did we love last year about the Raptors and what made them so successful in that run? It was that bench mob. And it's what everybody kept waiting for to happen this season. And it's something that just hasn't coalesced. So far, I don't think, you know, you've had some flashes where the bench has been really good, but it's like, if you can put in, like, a, a, a not, like, Marcus Gasol, let's not fool ourselves, not a superstar, but a really legitimate NBA talent with all the different tricks in his bag, yeah. and you can make him the focal point of that bench mob, I mean, that's a whole other dynamic that you add to the Raptors, right? I totally agree with you. And I'm going to piggyback something that you said about Marc Gasol and just, you know, you, you're you adding this guy to your team and what he can do for your bench and what that meant last year. I want to piggyback that and kind of flip it a little bit because I felt like we saw the important factor that once the playoffs came around, though, it was more about your starters. And I think this deal, to me, in my opinion, getting Marc Gasol was about upping your level of talent, right? Your top-end talent. So you're giving up you know, CJ Miles, you're giving up DeLon Wright, your bench guys, and getting Mark Gasol. Obviously, JV's involved in that, but basically what I'm trying to say is you're improving your overall top-tier talent. And Mark Gasol, to me, in the starting lineup, that's when you need to, like, maximize him because I feel like he's playing all right so far for the Raps, but I feel like there's so much more that he can deliver and contribute to this team, right? And are you going to fully see that with him coming off the bench? I don't know. Depends a lot about rotations and how you're going to play, as you said, Kyle and the bench, how Serge Ibaka would thrive, you know, whether he's getting those minutes in the starting lineup or on the bench. But I feel like with the Raptors offense, especially the starters offense, far too often it becomes either Kyle Lowry pick and roll with Serge or give it to Kawhi Iso, right? You might get some, you get a lot of Siakam in there, fast breaking, doing his hustle thing, getting his buckets there. But I feel like if you add Marc Gasol to your starting lineup, especially come playoff time when we know the game slows down and it'd be a lot more about the half court, 
that's where you're going to see Marcus All thrive with the starters because you're adding another playmaker with Kyle Lowry in your starting unit that will able to get that will be able to get Danny Green some easy shots. Heck, will be able to get Kyle Lowry easy shots. But more importantly, Kawhi as well because Kawhi's still working way too hard for his buckets and. Hey, he's doing well. That's his game. That's his game. That's his game, though. He's doing really yeah, well. Kawhi, Kawhi's not a guy who plays off the ball, though, is he? Kawhi is a guy who needs the ball in his hand and create for himself. And sure, it's hard sometimes, but that's what he's talented at. Now, the only thing that I would say is that I would get my uh, sports talking head cliche machine going. Okay. And I would say that even in the playoffs, it doesn't matter who starts a game. Who it finishes. matters who finishes. Yep. No, you totally And right. I think... And I think that what we're going to see is, well, it'll be interesting to see if to, in the playoffs when things do get like uh, a little more do or die, if Marcus Hall's brought into the starting lineup or if it's still the case where you bring him in in that first break or in that second timeout, whatever it is, but he's very much a staple at the end of games because I think that's really, I mean, as Dame Lillard will tell you, that's winning time. That is, that is. What do you do in winning time for sure? And I'm so excited. And I think that that. when it is winning time, it'll be Marcus all time too. You got to figure, right? I agree with you there. He just adds such another dimension to what your offense is able to do. He's another playmaker. So everything's just not through Kyle. And I'll give Nick Nurse some credit here because he's done a good job in adjusting so far. Whereas at the start of the season, especially late in games, it seemed, okay, here, Kawhi, make a play. Then it turned into, okay, Kawhi, clear out, ISO, top of the key or on the wing. And lately you've noticed in those key situations, they're trying to get him the ball at the free throw line, which is a much better adjustment by the Raptors, but also gives him a lot more room to operate in terms of he can either get to the basket, bully ball, one dribble, bucket, or he can still hit you with that mid-range jumper. So we've seen Nick Nurse make good adjustments, and so as Gasol, as Jeremy Lin as well, who's proven to be a very good pickup for the Raps, as those guys get more acclimated, get used to the other guys on the team, this Raptors squad, man, they look built and ready for to make a deep run in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, before we, we get to the those kind of questions, one other thing in Raptor land that seemed to be the talk of the town was Kawhi Leonard's load management. (laughs) People were mad that he missed the game Mm. against the Magic, and then obviously we saw the benefits of that to where he's fresh for the Celtics, where he didn't even have to empty the whole clip. He only played 26 minutes, 9 of 15, but still at 21 points. Are you bothered? Do you care how many games Kawhi Leonard plays this season? Absolutely not. And I think that, hey, your boy Nick Nurse was on the show that you work for today. Yes, that is correct. And he was saying that that load management is going to end when the playoffs start. Of course. Is that correct? I'm, About what he said? Yeah, I mean, that's the, of course. That's the thing that matters, okay? What you want is for him to and, – and this is what I'm really surprised that they're not doing with Lowry. Because Lowry, as we've seen before in the playoffs, that conditioning is very tough for him to sustain. True. Now, with Kawhi Leonard, it seems like, hey, that is something they're really cognizant about. That is something that they're proactively trying to make sure that he's well-rested and in peak physical condition when the playoffs roll around. But it'll be interesting to see if it affects Kyle again. The one thing I'll say, though, is this season, yes, Kyle has had to carry a lot of the load because of Kawhi missing games or whatever. But I think now, once you add Marcus Gasol, Once we've seen the Pascal Siakam glow up and you have Kawhi Leonard, I feel like 
the burden that was on Kyle Lowry isn't as much as it was in prior seasons. Like you needed you needed Kyle Lowry to get you 15 to 20 points a night in big boy games if you're DeMar DeRozan, right? Now, even last year, even last year when that bench was something that they really relied on as a way to rest DeMar and Kyle and keep them ready for the playoffs. For sure. I still think because in the playoffs it came down to your top tier talent. I'm saying this year, whereas, okay, last year, definitely it's Kyle and DeMar. No doubt. No ifs, ands, or buts. If those guys don't get it going, you're going to take L's to LeBron. And that's what we saw, right? This year, if Kyle doesn't have it, if Kyle's not shooting the ball well, he can get away with doing his other things, whether it's just passing, his rebounding, taking charges, because the scoring can be picked up, as we're seeing, from you have Marcus Gasol now, who's a capable scorer if need be. You can dump it down to him. He can get you some buckets. Kawhi Leonard is averaging career highs at 27 a night, and we know he's a proven playoff guy. Siakam continues to improve. He's averaging, what, like 21 points per game or something like that over his yeah. last 11 or so. Like, I forget the exact numbers, but the line is Siakam has shown you that they can pick up the scoring slack if Kyle's shot isn't falling. Whereas in prior years, you needed that from Kyle Lowry. You needed the scoring on top of everything else that Kyle Lowry did. Now, I don't think the same pressure or the same uh, workload is needed or necessary from Kyle Lowry. I could be wrong, but I, I that's just what I'm seeing so far. Well, it'll be interesting, especially to see what that all shakes out looking like in the postseason. Totally. Totally. You Can't know, because again, that. that's I know. What what do we got? Like four weeks? Yeah, what, we're no, more about, than what, that. Like twenty games left in the season, but twenty games. Twenty games, yeah. With that said, there's a race going on in the Eastern Conference and we mentioned the blow that the Celtics took after not only losing to the Raptors, but they lost the other night as well to the Blazers, Celtics now find themselves in fifth place, two and a half games as we currently speak, as we're doing this podcast right now, could be three games behind the Sixers for fourth place. So right now, as we're taping this, the Bucks are in first, Raptors are in second, then you have the Pacers, Sixers, and Celtics. I'm going to ask you now, Webby, and we keep doing this update each and every week, how do you rank the teams in the Eastern Conference right now? Not in terms of record, not in terms of whatever, but in, not in terms of record, but just how you see it playing out playoff time. Okay, so I have um, pretty much chalk other than Indiana. I have Indiana still ahead of Boston, and I have Philly ahead of Indiana for third. Um, I still have Milwaukee ahead of Toronto because 14 games uh, losing all year. Uh, with the team that Milwaukee has is an incredible job by Coach Bud. Yeah. Um, they, they, they've been like the model of consistency. Now, the only thing is, what I hate, and we've seen this in the Eastern Conference so many times before, these teams that have amazing winning records mm -hmm. and do these amazing regular season feats then fold and can't get it done in the postseason, we see this, saw this happen to Atlanta, and we saw it happen to the Raptors last year. They go on historic runs, something that the team has never done. Then they get to the playoffs, and they can't figure it out. And I think that Milwaukee has that look 
all over them. <laughs> Webby, I, I really do. I appreciate you for teeing me up because that's exactly what I was going to say. Because I rank the Raptors as the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Nah, you you can't right Here's now. You can't. Here, because the Bucks are playing at a different level. than The, the Raptors are playing very, very well. But what the, what Coach Bud's system has done for the for the Bucks right now, they're the best team. I think that they're the best team in the league right now. Here, here's my thing, right? We're talking about what's going to happen come playoff time and in the playoffs. But it's a different story, oh, okay. right? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I keep – every I'm time doing. I watch them, every time I watch them, I'm so impressed. I think Giannis is amazing. Malcolm Brogdon has been so good this year, yeah. but they are so ripe for the taking in the playoffs. It's just – they haven't been there before, right? Like Giannis still has yet to win a playoff series. You know, Giannis is going to show up because Giannis is just like a different kind of beast right now. So you don't expect, and just the way that he plays the game that he plays, it's a lot of paint dunks, right? It's a lot of everything going towards the basket. So you see Giannis continuing to do what he does, but the supporting cast dudes, I don't know what to expect from them. And I don't know, as you mentioned, coach Bud's, it was Coach Bud's Atlanta Hawks. So we've seen the this Hawks. format yeah, with the work Hawks, yeah. before, and then playoff time, it's a different story. Whereas the Raptors, I feel, as much as people talk about the lack of chemistry that the Raptors have, at the end of the day, you have a bunch of players that have been through playoff battles. Even if you're going to say Kyle Lowry, he's still been through playoff battles. But now leading the charge... You have Kawhi Leonard. You have Danny Green. Those guys are champions. You have Marc Gasol. He's been to the Western Conference Finals before. You have dudes who have been in the playoffs before. And I just would rather bet on that in the playoffs as opposed to the Bucks, who, you know, for your Brogdons, Bledsoe's, Middletons, those guys haven't really – they haven't won a round. They haven't been there before. So no. I'm, that's where I'm talking playoff time. I'm putting the Raptors ahead of them. And – you know, after that, the Celtics are just I mean No, I have the Celtics in fifth. They're they're a team they're a team that's in a downward spiral right now. Yeah. They need um I don't know what they need. They need <laughs> Tommy they need Tommy Heinsohn to take them all out for beers. Uh, something, man, because holy I mean have you seen the numbers that the Celtics have with Kyrie in the lineup versus without? I have seen those numbers, and it's basically the numbers show that Kyrie Irving, when he's com when he's just not playing at all, the Celtics are better. But when he plays, but then subs out, they have trouble adjusting in game to not playing with Kyrie. Right, like it just seems super weird. But obviously, because of the style of play that Kyrie Irving exhibits in terms of being a dominant ball handler, every single thing running through him it's tough to then adjust in game when he subs out and that's going to be a problem. That might be something you want to work out. And here's the biggest reason too, Webby going back a little as to why I have the Raptors rated so high in the Eastern conference come playoff time is because one of the things I pay attention to the most is what your team's record is in three point games or less, because the playoffs are going to be tight. The playoffs are all close games. So there's certain trends that you can pick up on during the regular season. And you use the Raptors as an example last year, and the Raptors struggled in that situation last year. And it was one of the reasons why we talked on this podcast, the Raptors heading into last season or heading into last playoffs, were only five and seven in games decided by three points or less. You flip that around to this season, and they're 10 and four. 
that's pretty good. The Bucks five and five. The Pacers four and four. Hey, your Sixers nine and five. The Boston really? Celtics three and five. Right. Mm. So that stat just tells me a lot, just about how you play in crunch time situations. Yeah. And the Raptors have grown ups. The Bucks, hey, they got Giannis, but again. When it's heightened, when the situation gets bigged up a little more, I'm just trusting what the Raps got more. The Bucks have, the Pacers, they're a great story, but we don't believe you. You need more people. We all, we, everybody, everybody watches basketball is just waiting, waiting for them to come back down to earth. Uh, your thoughts on the possible, you're, you're right. You, right now the Sixers are, if they hold on in this game against the Thunder, they would pull into a half game behind the Pacers, right, in the Eastern Conference for third. Yep. Do you worry as a Sixers fan about the potential 4-5 matchup with the Celtics in the first round? Yeah, the Celtics have owned us. <laughs> I was just yes, how, I was just trying to see how your Philly take would come in here. That's all, just checking, just checking. I, uh, I, as, much as, as much fun as we're having watching the Nets, and as much of a great story as that is, and they're a plucky team, I, I would much rather face the Nets than the Celtics in the first round. So you guys got it. And I think the, and I think the NBA would rather see that too. To be quite honest, for sure, definitely. I, I don't think the I don't think the NBA wants to see Cleveland or uh, sorry Philly and Boston in the first round. No, let save that smoke for a little later in the Eastern Conference playoffs, yeah. right? And speaking of smoke, Kyrie Irving appears to want all the smoke, but then when he gets it, doesn't seem like he can handle it. The week started with Kyrie making a lot of quotes about how he's not worried about the team. The Celtics are going to be fine come playoff time because they have him, which is an interesting take. But after their recent losses, there's been some interesting back and forths, right? So after the Raptors game, as you mentioned, Kyrie, or sorry, Kyrie was asked, Marcus Smart said that you guys aren't playing together. Is that a fair diagnosis? Kyrie's response, quote, I mean, that's Marcus's opinion. The reporter responds back and says, is it your opinion too? Kyrie just stares at the reporter, and then the Celtics PR guy just says, thank you, Kyrie, <laughs> to end the session. Okay? That's after the Raptors game. A couple nights later, against the Blazers, another tough loss. Celtics get booed off the court at home after losing to the Blazers. Reporter says, what's your confidence level in this team going forward? Kyrie could take the easy way out, but instead Kyrie says, quote, what do you mean? What kind of question is that? <laughs> the reporter says a legitimate question. Yeah, Kyrie, I know. <laughs> quote, nah, next question. <laughs> Yo, what's up with your man's Kyrie? Like this just seems to be such a gong show. What's going on? What is he going to do when and if he goes to New York? <laughs> wow. And has to deal with the New York media because the Boston media right now is just eating this guy alive. But he's eating himself alive. Like, when they ask what your confidence level is, Kyrie could just say, I'm very confident. We have a good team. We've proven we can make good runs. I'm very confident. That's all he had to say. He could even have said it sarcastically. We talked about this last week. He is handling every one of these situations that he's been put in the worst he could possibly <laughs> handle it. It's like, bro, like like I said last week, it seems like he thinks that he's he knows how to game the system yeah. and knows the ins and outs, but he's just coming across like a dummy. Yeah. 
it's sometimes like he tries to come off as if he's like gonna outsmart the reporter. Like, yeah. what do you mean by that question? As if the reporter is gonna be stumped by be that? Like, Does is the internet real to you? It's like, <laughs> who are you, Jaden Smith? Like, there was a quote. There was a quote the what? other day where they asked him about his like Black History Month shoes, and he's like, I don't even really like these Black History Month shoes because I celebrate Black History Month every day. Every month, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Get out of here, dude. Like. What? I understand what you're trying to say, but you're just trying to come off as if, like, you're that, like, super smart dude. And it's like, dude, just chill out, relax, play the game. You know what the media is trying to do. We know that you're frustrated. But what's your level of confidence in this team going forward is just a normal question that a reporter would ask you. There's nothing wrong with that. And did he learn from LeBron but learn in the wrong way? (laughs) Like, is that it? No, I don't think so. If you look at what's been going on with LeBron here, and I, I know that that's something we're going to talk about, but it's uh, it right now the way you look at how LeBron's handling the L.A. situation makes a little more sense to how Kyrie is handling the Boston situation. Yeah, LeBron got caught up in his own little drama, let's say, which I don't really think was his fault. It's kind of what the Internet does at this point, and media people just run with storylines because we see something on Twitter – and it's easy to lose context. So this clip went viral after the, the LeBron James and the Lakers lost to Bruno Caboclo and the Grizz. <laughs> but the quote from LeBron just simply was, if you're still allowing distractions to affect the way you play, this is the wrong franchise to be a part of. And you should just come in and be like, listen, I can't do this. So that clip alone goes viral. And without the context, you're listening to that and you're saying, whoa. What is he talking about? He's caused right. most of the distractions. But then we get the irkst, right? The the hold up and the full question gets put out there and you realize that LeBron is just responding to the question asked by the reporter. The reporter actually asked him, "Do you think the playoff run is a distraction?" So, that's what he's answering. He's not talking specifically about any players, but LeBron, I think, handled this whole thing. <laughs> he should be talking about himself. Well, totally true, right? But LeBron, in, in your comparison of LeBron and Kyrie, I feel like LeBron was just answering a question, and then when everyone dumped on him the next day, he could have just ran out and like flipped out on the media, went the whole Kyrie way, and he would have been well within his rights to do so. I mean, what ended up happening was the reporter himself came out and, re- and yeah. said, any frustration by LeBron James here seems to be in response to the question and the reporter asking it. That reporter was me. I thought he was pretty clearly rejecting the notion that the race for the playoffs is a distraction, not calling out his teammates for being distracted. Close quote. I just find that LeBron James, because the way that LeBron James carries himself, and it's very brash, it's very, it can come off as being cocky, he's not shy about using his power and i think people take that the wrong way so anytime they get a chance to swipe lebron they're gonna take it and this was one of those where people kind of jumped the gun do do you know what i mean does that make sense well i think it comes down to optics okay and i think right now with uh the lakers situation and really this team like bottoming out and everything that happened with the Anthony Davis trade, as soon as LeBron says the word distraction <laughs> and puts it on the other players, like, hey, you know, if you're distracted, it's really tough, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that is a very tough sell 
to even say that word in reference to your other teammates when really the optics of it is that the distraction has been you. True, but this is the thing. Like he wasn't even saying that. He was he was saying if you're still allowing distractions, as if the reporter saying, "Do you think your team is distracted by the playoff race?" Right, and so like it's just everything LeBron says becomes a microscope. And you're right, distractions. I mean, this guy is now a and ring to change his new album, which I think comes out this week. Yo, or something, right? <laughs> yeah, yo, Andy's got another episode of the the shop. Yes, the, which that episode features uh, who? Anthony Davis is in there. Antonio Brown, Two Chains, Meek Mill. Like that's a big time episode. And I already saw the teaser clip where LeBron's talking. About, he's defending Anthony Davis in the sense talking yeah. about how you know Anthony Davis has never said anything, but now just because he's trying to take charge of his career, make a move, everyone's gonna everyone's gonna say he's being a distraction, right? And or he's being selfish. And it's just funny to hear LeBron say these things because I feel like people aren't hip to the game that he's playing right now. Like, he owns his own media company. So he's saying these things on his own platform because now everybody's going to go run to his platform, right, to hear what he has to say. Like, it's such a game that I feel like he's playing. And instead of everyone paying attention to what he's doing and understanding what he's doing, they're just quick to, like, chop him down. But... I don't know. I, I just feel like this Lakers season, to me, has kind of gone not the way that we thought, but a way that we huh. could have easily seen. You know what I mean? Like, it was an option. Like, nobody thought the Lakers were going to win the West. I feel like people thought they would they would no, be a we, playoff team. But we thought that with the way that LeBron played the last couple of years in Cleveland with a squad that was not so hot – and the numbers that he puts up and the leadership that he can use, we thought that they could get into the playoffs, maybe be in the top four seeds. We thought maybe. I thought they'd be in the but, middle of the playoff race. That's where I thought they'd be, somewhere in that four or five spot. Yeah. And before LeBron got hurt, they were right there. And here, since LeBron got hurt, their record has just been, I want to say, let me bring it up here, because I'm pretty sure that on Christmas Day when LeBron – got hurt the Lakers record was actually pretty good like they were having a really good season at the time they were enjoying themselves for lack of a better term right and at that point the Lakers were on Christmas Day after that win they were 20 and 14 their record now is 30 and 31 oh right so the Lakers have struggled since LeBron got hurt add in the fact that Lonzo's been hurt add in the fact that you know what all the all the transactions that they made in the offseason that everyone thought wouldn't work out guess what they didn't really work out <laughs> right like rondo's played well i feel like rondo's been been pretty good like you're not expecting that much more from rondo but lance had spurts javel mcgee trash right like trash um beasley's already beasley gone. gone but nobody expected these things to work out and now that they're not working out and lebron's been injured it's like, ha, 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 now we can all go at LeBron. I feel like that's what's happening. And it's kind of funny. No? I find it funny. But everyone seems to be taking well, shots at LeBron. No, I was saying this today, actually. It looks good on LeBron. Okay. It looks good that this team is struggling the way it is. Because I thought that what he did to the – and I know, again, this is sports talking head guy cliche. I know – well, I th just think what he did to those young players on the Lakers, the guys who – 
you know, look up to LeBron, obviously, and idolize him. With everything that happened with that stretch with Davis mm-hmm. and Clutch Sports, I think that really did irreparable damage to the young guys. For sure. And you're seeing the effects of that. And the other thing that I think really hurt this team, and I, it's hard to put it, but I think Lonzo not being there just completely screws up that team and the way that they want to play. Well, you end up relying way too much on Rondo, right? And that's tough. You end up now all the playmaking falls on Rondo and LeBron, who – yeah. Let's remember, the man is 34 years old, right? Exactly. It's year 16 for the man. And we forget now, but okay, first first off, the Anthony Davis thing, I know it blew up in their face and it didn't work, but to me, it's risk versus reward. And you still try to make that happen again, right? Even though it didn't work out, you'd still try to make yeah, that happen then, again. because. But then you know what they should do is that they should sit LeBron for the rest of the year. Well, that was going to be my next LeBron, question to you. <laughs> LeBron James got a knee injury, and guess what? He's sitting out the rest of the year. Because it's not like he's going to leave L.A. this year. No. And the other so thing be is... As bad, be as bad as you can be. And come in eighth to lose to the Warriors, to get swept by the Warriors. I think they would have a chance against Denver, just because, again, Denver might be kind of like those other playoff teams of the past. That they're, not, they're not good, They're not. going to get past the teams that are ahead of them. They're not. Not with this. That not with this. The way that this team is set up right now. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying, though. I'm saying like Denver, they would have a chance, not a great chance, but you'd have a chance solely based on the fact that Denver hasn't been there before, right? Whereas LeBron, we've seen LeBron do more with less. No, I. I they wouldn't win a first round playoff series. It. it I, I hear. I hear they you. Wouldn't. I hear you. I hear you. I hear what you're saying, Webby. I'm, I'm just saying that. To, to go all out with LeBron, to have him come in eighth and potentially get embarrassed badly by the Golden State Warriors, I don't think that's something LeBron wants. I don't think that's something the Lakers want. It just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, the piling on LeBron, to me, is an interesting thing because we forget that he's in year 16. And so you know that eventually thing he's going to wear down, but we're pulling all these clips of LeBron not playing defense as if this is brand new. We saw this last year, right? Like, yeah, we saw this many, like two years before. Yeah, right? And last year, remember, he did the whole thing where he played in every single game, and the way that he was able to play in every single game was because he had a lot of, a lot of games like he did against Memphis where there's blatant examples of him just standing on the defensive end not playing defense. If you if you follow this podcast, you know we talk about we talked about it last year, right? Those stats that track player movement and how yeah, LeBron I was just going to say how he never ran. Exactly. He spent the most time walking on the court or playing at the slowest pace than any other player in the in the uh postseason last year. And so you have to remember this guy's in year 16. His defense, he was doing that from last year. But what do you expect for this guy to do to be putting up 25-point triple-doubles while also playing good defense at this stage of his career? Like, come on. So to me, as much as we clown, oh, this blew up in their face trying to get Anthony Davis, the risk was definitely worth it. And I think the way that the Pelicans' front office has blown up since, the way that the Pelicans are handling this now where Anthony Davis plays but – he only plays 20 minutes and doesn't play in the fourth yeah. quarter. Like, that's such a gong show. Like, who would have predicted the Pelicans would have messed up the situation just as much as the Lakers did? 
just as much as Rich Paul did. So to me, the risk of trying to get him was worth it. The stakes are a little higher with the Lakers so than they are with the Pelicans. Totally true, Webby. Totally true. But I'm just saying that it's easy to say, ha, 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 because it didn't work or crush them for saying, oh, LeBron ruined the season and the Young Bucks can't respond. But if they had gotten Anthony Davis, if the Pelicans had any semblance of a normal front office, maybe they actually make the trade, take all the Lakers' Young Bucks, and then it's LeBron and Anthony Davis, and then we'll see what's up, right? Like, I don't know. To me, it's just sometimes we look at it and we think that everything is just super simple and and we play the result as, as opposed to, you know, realizing hey, what LeBron James did last season, we never would have predicted, right? Like LeBron dragged Jeff Green, J.R., Tristan, and George Hill to the NBA Finals last hold year. Hold on, hold on. You're forgetting about, and I know it's because he hasn't played much this season, but he still had Kevin Love. Kevin Love got hurt in that conference finals. Kevin Love came back in the in the actual NBA In the finals, finals. He, missed, he missed one game. But he didn't play in the, in the conference finals. He missed games. Like that game seven, Kevin Love wasn't there. But he was still 20 and 20 and 10 the whole season, or you're close to it. True. You know, he okay. was Kevin. So even if that's we give what him, even if we give him Kevin Love, okay, right? But it's what he's it's what he's missing in L.A. right now. He's missing a lot in L.A. I mean, but he doesn't have that other guy who can just take a little bit of the brunt off of him. Consistency. Like, who does he have? Who does he have? Brandon Ingram. Yeah, Ingram's played better as of late, but he's just not consistent enough yet as a scorer. I don't even know what position Ingram plays or what position yeah. he's best served at. Same goes for Kuzma. Kuzma can ball. I like Kuzma. I just don't know how those pieces fit around LeBron. And their lineups keep changing because Rondo might be in, but then Rondo's hurt. Lonzo might be in, but then Lonzo gets hurt, right? And maybe Lance plays good for two games. Like, it's just been so much up in the air with this Lakers roster that no wonder they're struggling. And I might agree with you. Their, their schedule coming up, like, they got to run, oh. so it's okay. You play Milwaukee on Friday, then you get the Suns. But after that, you got the Clippers, Denver, Boston. Then you play Chicago. But then after that, you got Toronto. And that's a pretty – like, that's hitting you to the middle of March. By the time they play the Raptors, they could be completely out of it. And at that no, point – they play they, – they, they only play five teams that aren't in the playoff picture right now. in the playoffs yeah. over the next, like – what is it, 20 games? Yeah, and if that's the case, then I'm with you. I think you should sit LeBron because what's what's the point? Adding wear and tear onto his body and plus, hey, let's be serious. They're 30 and 31 with 21 games to go. But when you look at the other teams in the West, they have A, the Clippers have the, a much easier schedule than them, and the Kings, the Kings are balling. Yo, the Kings are nice, guy. Have you been able to catch Although a couple Bagley, of games lately or no? Yeah, here and there, like on the weekends. Yeah. But uh, did you see Bagley last night? That looked ugly. That did not look good at all. That's a tough break because he was just starting to like seem like he was taking his stride. You know what I mean? Like he was yeah, yeah. figuring out how to contribute consistently, fitting in nicely. You know, Buddy Heald has had a great year. I know that's your Yo, guy. Yo, my guy, <laughs> my guy. Buddy Heald seems to be fitting in nicely. He's kind of turning into the player they almost thought they were going to get because, remember, Vivek famously said Buddy Heald is going to be Steph. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Steph, but he's playing pretty, pretty but well. But he's, 
he's got that Oklahoma buddy swag again. Hey. Like, right? No, it's he true. he's a scorer, man. He can score. Yeah, he can get buckets. And so, if you're the Lakers and you look at it, and you're what three games out of you know because the Spurs and Clippers are tied right now for seventh, but yeah, the Spurs stumbled a little, but they were just on their road trip. What is it? The rodeo road trip, which was horrible for them. The Clippers. Yeah. Are, have an easy schedule. The Kings are just playing really well. And then you have the Lakers who needed a LeBron one-footer to basically ice a game yeah. against the Pelicans without Anthony Davis. I don't know. What do we think? Sit LeBron? That's a move here? Oh. The, he, uh, <laughs> it's tough, right? Cause, if it was me, if it was me and I was Mick, uh, um, Rob Palenka or one of the decisions, Genie Bus. Um, I would say let's you know let's game this system. We don't need LeBron James the rest of the year. What we need is for our pick to be as good as it can to try and get Anthony Davis yeah. this summer. Yeah, that's what we need to do for the future of this franchise because this window is shutting every year with LeBron James. True, and I think I know he is a modern marvel. He is the one of the greatest athletes that we've ever seen, but uh, you know, Father Time is undefeated. We say it all the time, and it's going to happen with LeBron sooner rather than later. Totally true, and I, I find it funny that LeBron goes to the Lakers with no other big-name free agents, right? Everyone then crushes the additions that the Lakers made in trying to put people around LeBron. LeBron then tries to orchestrate getting Anthony Davis. People still crush him for that as well. And it's like, well, yeah. you can't win. You can't have it both ways. You can't crush the dudes that they did get and then crush him when he's then trying to get Anthony Davis. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. But the thing is. Well, no, it does. It does make sense because he's done this before and it's worked out. For sure. He's done this before in Miami and it worked out. Totally. Not one, not two. But. If he does it again and tries to run this kind of same system back and it doesn't work, of course he's going to get criticized by us and by the media. I just think there's an air around this whole thing where the media and fans in general aren't used to the players wielding their power as much. And we're going to just see this trend continue. And it was something – because I think there was another clip from Antonio Brown that got released from the, the shop as well because Antonio Brown is obviously going through the exact same thing with the Steelers where he's talking about, right. yo, man, it's time to get paid. He feels like he's been undervalued and he deserves more money. And – People aren't used to hearing that from athletes. We just keep thinking, hey, you sign this contract, play out your contract. But in the yeah. real world, whatever power you can negotiate is the power that you ultimately have. So if you're that good, you can do whatever you want. And LeBron is that good. So he's just been trying to extend, extend his reach, see how much he can get away with. And me personally, I don't knock him for that. That's just me. In this instance, it didn't work, but I don't knock him for trying. It's just how many more games does LeBron James have like that were like the NBA Finals game one last year where he went for 51, 8, and 8 right. and lost because JR forgot the score, right? Like right. we've seen LeBron do so much with so much less that I'm not going to stay – I'm not going to be here to crush him because – 
this season in LA didn't really work out because he tried to get Anthony Davis. I would have tried to get Anthony Davis too, <laughs> right? Well, he, he well he got to a certain point where he knew that he had to get Anthony Davis. Also true. Also true. Because right now, it's what do they say? It's not the grass isn't always greener, and uh, I think that that's starting to be that's starting to become apparent. Also, to LeBron. Also, I think he just spent the first part of the season seeing what those young bucks had, right? And then once he realized. There's not enough here for me. Like, he's going to have to do a little too much. Like, his body literally can't take it. And I know people keep knocking LeBron for saying how much help does he always need. But, again, year 16, he's played the most minutes over the past, what, 8 to 10 years by a lot more than any other but player so, in the NBA. So, But so this kind of gets into my whole thing about this pay, player empowerment era that we're living okay. in. And I, I'm totally down with it, and I think it's great. But I think that if you are as powerful a player as LeBron, where you can literally build your own team, and it doesn't work out, and you make the wrong decisions as the one with the power, I think that you're totally open to criticism. Oh, totally. Because you're going to get all the praise when it does work. Totally. Yeah, no, I agree absolutely. I agree with that. Totally. I just think that it's worth the risk. Like, that's a part of risk-taking. Like, it's risk versus reward, and I think the reward would have been so great if he did get Anthony Davis that it was worth the risk of, oh, you know what? Kuzma and Ingram aren't ready. And so the Lakers coming in, what, seventh, sixth, maybe fifth, and maybe winning a round? Do you know what I mean? The cost-benefit of yeah. getting Anthony Davis and making real damage in the playoffs was worth maybe winning a round. That's just my opinion. But in the end, I think as most NBA arguments come down to, because I'll point to my guy Russ as another example, people either like LeBron, people either like Russ, or they hate them. And so that normally shades what side of the fence they for these arguments, no? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's the thing. But that's why I try to keep it nuanced with LeBron, because I really do like him. But I also, like I was saying, it looks good on him. Like, I'm happy. I'm almost happy that this Lakers thing didn't work out the first year. And I'm happy that he's got to come up against some sort of adversity yes. to get over the hump there. That's I think fair. that that's going to make, when he ultimately does see success with the Lakers, it's going to make it a little more enjoyable rather than having him just go there, snap his fingers, and make Anthony Davis appear. Like, let them eat shit, if you will. <laughs> I like that. Uh, for a little I bit. Like let, let him be... Let him be humbled, you know, yeah. like let him, you know, go back to the drawing board and have to really figure it out rather than just going there, like I say, snapping his fingers and making it happen. I like that. I like that, Webby. Uh, let's let's move on a little bit here from LeBron to a LeBron pal in Dwayne Wade. How, did you catch the, the end of the Heat game on Wednesday night? Okay. I've got two, I've got two observations. Okay. My first is when did Dwayne Wade get Rose. The corn rose, yes. When did, when did that happen? It was earlier this week. It's earlier this week. Somehow, for some reason, he decided to, <laughs> to, to go back to, what, AI 2001? Hey, why not? Hey, I'm, not why I'm, not? I'm not mad at it. Hey, do you, D-Wade. It's your last I just Do what you want. I saw it last night, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then the second thing is, it's it, like, those jerseys are so cool. Yes. Oh, yeah. It is. Uh, those are, like... Those are so fucking fresh. They should. They've they've got to switch their logo and their colors. They've got to do that permanently, full time. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. It looks so dope. Totally cool. But it was funny because, you know, D Wade with the casual pump fake gets block, step back, one footed bank <laughs> shot for the win against the Warriors. And you know me, I'm not really here to, to gas up the Warriors on any occasion. So I really did enjoy that. Going yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the looks on Katie and Steph's face, just like, oh, what do yeah. You do to that. Like, you can't even be mad, right? That was yeah, incredible. Katie's instant reaction to that shot going in was amazing. <laughs> but the other thing was, I know you and I both love the, um, you and I both love the Dwayne Wade on top of the table celebration. Oh, so good. And and I was watching today, like because of that shot, they went through like, uh, you know, on Twitter you could find you know Dwayne Wade's best game winners and. That one against the Bulls, the runner that he hit. Yes, yes, yes. Where yes. I think he originally did the jump on the table, this he, is my fucking house. Yeah, 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 for sure. Dude, that was a crazy shot. That was incredible. That's still one of his un- most unbelievable shots of his career. Absolutely incredible. Good to see D. Wade kind of get a moment, right, in his final season. That's kind of cool. Cause he's one of the best shooting guards to ever do it. So to have him still be able to contribute on some level like he's not like he's not the same d wade obviously but he's not making a complete fool of himself out there right like he's still no it's not like dirk yes (laughs) it's not like dirk where dirk is like watching a corpse out there it's kind of (laughs) sad exactly no it's crazy it's crazy but you're totally right now now do they make the playoffs the miami heat uh, yeah, I don't know, man. The bottom of the the bottom of the Eastern Conference is such a waste. It's just like the West. It's just like the yeah, West. We got three teams, teams, like three teams, one spot. Yeah, but come on, Webby. Like, really, you're talking about the Pistons, Magic, Hornets, and Heat. Like, and Heat. Of so, right now, the Hornets, of the Hornets, Heat, and Magic. Yep. Who's gonna make that? Who's gonna take that last playoff spot? I feel like the Miami Heat because they're such a well-coached team. They they could play a, a playoff style and kind of rough it up and and muck it up in the playoffs. That would probably be better for the NBA because they'd give whoever's ends up being the top seed a good go. But if you're talking the Magic or Hornets, like, come on, man, yeah. that's, that's a wrap. Yeah. Nobody got time for that. Dwayne Wade getting one last playoff round, cool. I'd be here for that. I'd watch that. No worries at all. I ain't got time to watch the Hornets or the Orlando Magic. In the No, not here for that at all. Uh, You're not here for Terrence Ross? Definitely not here for Terrence Ross and the Orlando Magic. Even though they could, for some reason, seem to give the Raptors or Kawhi Leonard less Raptors some trouble. <laughs> but not here for the Magic. Also, the Hornets. Someone brought up a good point. Like, look at the Hornets. Who's the Hornets' second best player after Kemba? Cody Zeller. <laughs> right? But, like... Did I even get the right Zeller? I don't even know. <laughs> exactly the point. It could be MJ coming off the bench right now. Yeah. Could maybe be the second best yeah. player on that team. So, yeah, I'm not even worried about the bottom of the Eastern Conference. But if we switch to the Western Conference, there's a bit of a showdown between the top, well other than the Warriors, but the top teams in the West between the Nuggets and Thunder. The battle for, I guess, who people would think are the second best team in the West, right? And the Nuggets were able to run away with it. They won they won 121-112. OKC has been a great story this year, and you touched on it last week about Paul George and the season that he's having and how great of a 
of a move it's been for him as he's uh, as he's risen into the MVP debate. But there's a little something else that went on in that game <laughs> that I kind of want to Yo. get your your opinion on. Yo. It was Russell Westbrook versus this 10-year-old kid that was in the, the front row. And the kid tapped Russ, who turned around, stared down the kid, like appeared to like whip around as if like, wait, what just happened? And the kid sat right back down. But Russ says he told the dad, quote, I just let him know you got to control your kids. It's that simple. He's responsible for his kids. Be careful. You can't just have your son hitting random people. I don't know him. He don't know me. It's too much leeway for the fans to be able to touch the players and get away with it. And then we can't react and do things that we need to do to protect ourselves. They can say what they want as long as it's respectful, but the touching is off limits. Mr. Andrew Webster, there's two ways here. Some people think Russ handled that situation correctly because he calmly talked to the kid and his dad. Others don't think so. I'll give you one Colin Coward take. <laughs> yeah, you got to read this. Says, you got to read this out loud because I don't understand. So like, all right, go. For he it. says this is exhibit number 395. Why Russell Westbrook doesn't get it. And I would never in a million years build around him. Just think how Steph Curry, LeBron James, or James Harden would have handled that. Close quote. He goes on to say they would have just smiled. They would have made a fun moment out of it. They would have joked around with the little kid. Whereas Russ was just totally serious. Two sides to this. Mr. Andrew Webster, which way do you fall? Uh, Not that because I don't think that. I would say maybe other than the case of Steph, I don't think that Harden... I don't think that LeBron, I don't think that anybody else in the NBA yeah. uh, reacts any any differently than Russell Westbrook did. I, I really don't. I really don't. The other part and, to and, this is this happened, the p- part that people miss, this happened before to Russ in Denver with a grown-ass man earlier this season, yeah. right? So the fact that he whipped around and saw that it was a little kid, I know that's what people are seeing in the moment. But to me, the point remains, you got to be, you got to control your kids, like, this is yeah. a parenting Where's issue. your... What's, what's yeah, the old uh, Chappelle show? Insufficient daddying? Oh, no, that's a Chris Rock bit, right? <laughs> Chris Rock, I was going to yes. say, I think that's Chris Rock. Insufficient daddying? Like, that's what I got from this. Like, how are you just touching random people at a basketball game? Like, behave yourself sitting in the front row. Be happy that you're 10 years old sitting in the front row. And just sit there and watch the game. Why do you need to touch the player? Do you want my old man get off my lawn take? Of course I do. This is society. This is this is this is the society in which we live. This is House of Hoops highlights. Yep. This is Instagrammable one um, like one gifable entertainment. Yep. He is now the kid who touched Russell Westbrook, and that is a clip that you're going to see a hundred times on repeat on a loop in a vine on Twitter on the gram. Okay, twenty years ago that shit didn't happen. <laughs> because there was no, there was no way that you, there was nowhere that you were going to see that. But with the way that we consume media and sports now, every little minute detail, like something like that happening in a game, that even as you and I have watched games to put together highlights, and twenty years ago, well, I, it just wouldn't happen. You just wouldn't see that because nobody's out there trying to get that little bit of fame. Yeah, and also two people are saying, but it's a little kid. Cool, but where's the line? So that kid's 10. Is 11 too old? Is 12 too old? Is 14 too old? Like, where do you draw the line? And again, 
going to the generational thing. I've said this all the time. This might sound even more get off your lawn than what you just said, but I feel like the generation below us doesn't understand repercussions, right? And what I mean by that is, hey, my mom, if I'm out with my mom as a little kid, there's certain things I knew that I couldn't do or else there would be consequences, right? And I'm not condoning what people think I might be condoning. I'm not here trying to, to, you know, big up Adrian Peterson or anything like that. Like that's not, that's definitely not what I'm doing. I'm just saying some form of repercussions. There are things that you are not allowed to do because you know, there will be some consequences. And this generation doesn't know anything about that. So you just think that, Hey, I can touch anybody and whatever. Ha ha ha. Joke, joke, joke. But I like the way that Russ handled it. I thought he handled it really well. Like he calmly Mm -hmm. talked to the kid and his dad. And I thought that was way more than he needed to do in that situation. Yeah, and honestly, I think that Russell Westbrook gets a really bad rap. Remember what was it last year in Philly? <laughs> the guy with when the, the guy with the double giving him, fingers, giving the <laughs> screaming at him, giving him the double bird. And he was just like, check this guy out. That was hilarious. You know, it's not like it's not like he's Dennis Rodman or or Ron Artest. You know. Getting into a fight in the stands or anything. Well, he, here's my thing, too. Like, when did it become a bad thing that Russell Westbrook is so intense? Like, people get mad at him. And it's like, well, he's in the middle of a game, and he's super serious. Like, why does he have to, like, turn and joke around and laugh and giggle? Yeah, he's focused. Yeah, like, when did that become a bad thing, right? Like, last I checked, everyone crushes the NBA because everyone's too friendly and too nice. And here's a guy that's just like, I'm on the court. It's all business. We still have a problem. Anyways, I'm glad we, we actually agreed on that, but I'd like to hear what other people think as well because, hey, we could be wrong. Totally let us know what you think, just like any other topic that we discussed on this podcast today. But, of course, there is something we you actually suggested that me, myself. Yes, I gave you homework. Yes, I gave you homework. Myself and our listeners should do, and I did watch the movie. Uh, Hi, High Flying for Bird. all you out there. High Flying Bird out on Netflix, directed by Steven Soderbergh. I did watch it, and I thought it was okay. I'm going to give it an okay. Really? I know that sounds odd because it should be right up my alley, but you know what my problem was? The main actor, the guy who was like the basketball player guy, I couldn't buy into him. I just couldn't buy into him for whatever reason. I just kept looking at him, and I'm just like, I can't take this guy seriously. I can't take him. Like, he just seems like such a knucklehead. And he just kept, yeah. like, he seemed, like, so aloof all the time, right? And don't get me wrong. The agent did a, an incredible job, right? Like, the, the game behind the game was really cool to see. I thought he did a really good job. And I thought it was really funny and it's clever. And I like taking a story that sports fans would really appreciate. But even if you're not a sports fan, you could follow along and understand it. And the dialogue was really good. But overall, that guy, I think, ruined the movie for me. So it's funny because uh, if you've ever seen American Vandal, the second season of American Vandal, he plays a high school basketball prodigy that's in this high school. So, like, I guess automatically he kind of had that clout of, Uh, oh, yeah, it's just almost a continuation of his character. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. However... 
how good was that other guy's mom? So good. Yo. Oh, that scene when he shows up to her house. And she just games him, right? Like, she, he shows up thinking that, like, he's about to run like a game he, on her. Yeah. And she's just, yeah. like, checkmate as she's sipping the tea. Yo. I was like, yo. That, that was great. Was so good. That's what I'm saying. There were a the, lot of really good scenes in the movie, but I couldn't get over the fact that I couldn't believe that guy was a star basketball player. I mean, I'm not saying that I think all basketball players are like super smart or super whatever, but it just I don't know. Something about He almost played into No, he almost played into a stereotype that you think of Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. When when you think of like a knucklehead first overall pick, yeah, right? Maybe that was it. Like Yeah. The, but the other one is like kind of in that same vein. I kind of understand where, understand where you're coming from because I didn't really buy her digging on him. Ah, I didn't. I thought she would like uh, who is uh, what's her name? Zazie Beats from Atlanta, yeah. the girl who plays uh, Van. Yep, on uh, Atlanta, like she, yeah. yeah, she's an incredible actress. I think she's like got star written all over her. She's just got that look, right? And I thought in this movie she was super good. And I really liked her character and everything. But then it was just like, like, oh, like, because that guy definitely had that knucklehead aloofness about him. And it was like, really? That guy? The whole time I thought she was running game on him. And there was like some. Me too. Like she was going to come out and say like, oh, well, I'm just going to rep you now and be your agent. And like, I thought there was, she was going to run a scam on him the whole time. That's what I thought was going to happen. That's what I thought was going to happen as well. That's why I was a little surprised. But it, it kept me guessing, and it was like I, I didn't quite know. Like I, I thought the end was really interesting. How it, It's funny that it was the same guy who did Ocean's Eleven because I felt it was a very Ocean's Eleven ending. Yes. Right? Like everything falling into place and then, oh, he had been doing this the whole time yeah. kind of thing. It was all yeah. a play. It was all a play from the beginning. Yeah. No, totally agree. Overall, I think if you're a sports fan, a basketball fan, you should definitely watch it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, but sticking with the movie theme here, before we wrap up, what do you think of the Oscars, yeah. Webby? Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> Listen, I can go on and on. I go well, on and on here. What's your biggest takeaway from the Oscars? What would you want to rip on the most? Because I'm guessing you want to rip on the Oscars. Because there, there weren't many people that had good things to say about the Oscars. I just don't understand sometimes. <laughs> okay? Okay. We see this year after year. The Oscars loves to reward movies that are about Hollywood and fame and that like and then they they, they like I thought now I, I'm going to talk about a Star is Born which again is a great play on a basketball podcast. Okay. But the the wife and I went to go see A Star is Born, and I thought it was awesome. Okay. Literally one of the five best movies that I saw this year. Thought it was great. Okay. I don't understand how Bradley Cooper, who directed it, didn't get nominated, but, like, Bohemian Rhapsody was up for Best Picture. The fucking <laughs> Driving, Miss, Driving Miss Daisy Part 2 won. <laughs> like, uh... I thought we were... But you know what? It's the same thing with politics, Shelley. Yeah. It's like all these people have to die off. Yeah. It's like the the real people, like the Green Book doesn't mean shit to you, people like me and you. Like, well, also, too, for because people who are older than well, us. Well, the other reason, too, why it doesn't mean shit to people like us is because we have the internet, right? And so 
we really pay attention to stuff going on in the internet. And what I mean by that is there's different sides of the internet. And if you do something that might disrupt the culture internet or what we call black Twitter on the internet, you get exposed really quickly. And the story about Green Book and them missing the whole point of said Green Book became yeah. such a big storyline. And to me, like that ruined a lot of the it ruined a lot of the hype surrounding the movie. But also once that narrative started, it seemed like everything else about the promotion from that movie just went down the shitter as well, right? Like you had my guy dropping the N bomb <laughs> during the press tour. Yeah, it was just it was just a nightmare for that movie. Such a gong show. And you're in the 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 thing that you brought up in terms of driving Miss Daisy, Spike Lee alluded to that as well because there were talk that he got super upset and every time somebody's driving, I think the quote was something to the effect of every time somebody's driving somebody else, I lose. I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that's what the quote <laughs> yeah. was by Spike. But yeah, Green Book is just one of those things where we've seen that movie before, whether it's The Help, which I actually I actually did enjoy the movie The Help, but the same theme uh, of The Help or The Blind Side where it's like, here's racism, but here's racism told that yeah. it's digestible oh, look, white, to white people. And not only that, like, yeah, white people, hey, white people, we solved racism again, <laughs> yes. guys. Well done. But hey, well done. The actual, Gin and tonics I urge all around. to go actually read read up on the actual green book because to, what I was, what I read, which was, I found really interesting and I didn't know much about it. But again, in this era of the internet, we can educate ourselves on things. Right. And so I wanted to know why people were so upset at the actual movie. And then I read up on the actual green book and it talked about incredible. How, oh, well the main thing was about how in the movie they're showing, okay, well the green book was there so that people could find places they could stay in the deep South that weren't, uh, segregated, right? Cool, makes sense. But in the movie, all they kept showing were like these rundown motels, right? And the point was, oh, look at all the places people had to stay because everything else was so run down. But the Green Book showed you those places. But the actual Green Book showed you a bunch of successful black owned businesses as well. And that was kind of the point of the Green Book. So not only when you were traveling, you could find places that weren't segregated but you could also find successful black businesses black business and yeah. that was like a main purpose of the green book that was completely left out of the movie yeah called the green because book the, <laughs> right because the movie wasn't about the green book exactly. right it was about one guy's one guy's account and the stories based yeah. on the book written by the guy's son but they didn't even talk to the character that mahershala, mahershala ali Am I pronouncing his name right? I don't want to mess that up. Yeah, Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Don Shirley. Yes. And honestly, but they didn't talk go to his family at all. Go and, and his family was pissed. Yes. But uh, do yourself a favor and look up some Don Shirley music on YouTube. Okay. Or guy is just an incredible piano player. I'll definitely get into that. And, and his music is definitely if you're if you like to write or read, it's it's incredible music just to have on in the background. Like incredible skill. Now. We're talking about movies, so I'll give you my five best movies that I saw this okay. year. Okay. All right. So I'll give, I'll go from five to one. So number five was um, Star is Born. Okay. Number four was another movie that I want to assign to you to watch when you get a chance. It's called Sorry to Bother You. Okay. And that's yeah, the yeah, one yeah, with yeah. – that's Lakeith, Lakeith from uh, Atlanta. Yeah, from Atlanta. That's an incredible movie. Incredible movie. Number three is Death of Stalin. Now, do you watch Veep? I don't. 
Okay, same guy who did Veep. He did this movie all about Stalin dying okay. and the people trying to take power afterwards. But it's really funny. It's got like Steve Buscemi and the dad from Arrested Development, a bunch of people that you've seen before. It's really good. Okay. The, the second best movie that I've seen this year I saw last week. It's Enter the Spider-Verse. Wow. Have you seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse yet? I have not. Yet? I have not. It's something that you have to check out. I got some I got some watching to do. Okay, Webby. Okay. And, and then the best movie that I saw last year is Mandy. And Mandy is one of the craziest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it's It's got Nicolas Cage. Okay. And the basic premise of the movie is that Nicolas Cage's wife, Mandy, gets kidnapped by a group of LSD-taking cult members. Wow. Wow. Things don't things don't go well for Mandy and then Nick Cage has to exact his revenge. Jeez. Oh, it's it's got some it's got some thing Mandy's got some things that I've never seen before in a movie. <laughs> wow. I, I, okay. I, it's fantastic. So those are the, the top 5 movies of 2018 early 2019 here. Okay, I like it. I like it. And as always to our listeners Definitely. You know, when Webby gives us these suggestions in our Ask On Blast each and every week, let us know what you guys think when you watch them, when you take them in. Did you like them? Did you not like them? Which one did you like? And if you guys have suggestions for us, totally, we'll get to those as well. I just wanted, from the Oscars, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Spike Lee because whatever you think of Spike Lee, right? He may do the right thing, which is one of the greatest movies of all time. Yes. And And he can do no wrong. He can make any movie he wants. Yeah, no, totally. I agree with you, Webby. And and I was going to say, whatever you think of Spike Lee, what he represents to the culture, what he represents to a generation yeah. that came up behind him in terms of fighting a lot of these battles that now people don't have to battle, like the fact that you're talking about all these movies getting nominated for Oscars, right? That, you know, we would have conversations about Green Book, about the real Green Book, Right? Like, all of mm-hmm. these things are battles that Spike Lee's been fighting his entire career. And I always give the shouts to his, his, uh, did you see the Jays that he had? I was going to say, though, yeah. give a shout to his company, 40 Acres and a Mule. Because, like, of course, his whole, like, MO to me was to disrupt shit. To, like, no matter what, he's going to be heard. And I thought that was just an incredible moment of seeing raw emotion, him hugging Samuel L. Jackson, even seeing the raw emotion of, was it Brie Larson that was up there with them? Right? Like, to me, just seeing the raw emotion in that moment of everyone involved, it was really cool to see. And so I just wanted to give Spike Lee a shout out because the Oscars, to me, like, I didn't really care that much, but I thought that was, that to me was the moment for me. Spike, Spike Lee... Um, say what you will about his some of the movies, some of the choices that he's made in directing these movies, um, the quality, whatever. That is one guy who's never compromised who he is yeah. for anybody or anything. Yeah. And going back to that, there was even a little NBA in the actual Oscars itself. <laughs> yes. Did you see when Sam Jackson <laughs> came up and said that the Knicks had won? It ended their and then, streak, yeah. And then it caught Spike in the crowd. He's like, we should be tanking. <laughs> right? And hold on. You like how we always come back around to basketball, right? 
Got came it. Came right back Got to Even the Oscars does. Even, even the Oscars does. Hey, that's what we do here on the Ball on Blast podcast. We might get off the beaten path, get into some pop culture stuff, but we always bring it back to the game that we love each and every week. And Mr. Andrew Webster, where can the people find you to get, you know, just whatever else you're watching during the week, as well as your movie takes, as well as your Phillies takes, as well as your <laughs> just gifts takes. of <laughs> gifts of bright gifts of Bryce Harper's hair. <laughs> That's it. Where can they find you, Webby? Uh, yeah, on Instagram, on Twitter at a Webster eighty four. Um, just find me. Uh, hit me up holler like there's so many people who listen to this it literally blows my mind thank all of you for you know even listening to any one of these little youtube clips or the whole shebang bang on soundcloud our day ones um and uh to you shelly thank you again this is always so much fun and uh i'm a little behind on the challenge uh i haven't watched this week's but uh, from your tweets last night, I think uh, it's a good episode. Yo. My boy Turbo, my boy Turbo's doing some things. <laughs> Yo, the challenge is incredible this year. And you know what, Webby, you mentioned like the people that listen to this podcast. It's so crazy, and I'm glad you reminded me because every time we finish, I always forget, and then I get mad at myself because I always want to shout out because on SoundCloud, you can see where people are listening from, right? Yeah, and nice. first things first, we got a bunch of people listening from the United States, which is pretty dope, right? But obviously, we're based out of Toronto, but you look, I look down the list, and I got to give a shout-out to, like, Surrey, BC, Vancouver, Los Angeles. Like, yeah. it's just cool to see some of these places. And with the, the Wrap It Up podcast now, you got Raptors fans all over the place that are now joining into this podcast as well. People writing in saying that they're listening from the Philippines Right. Had a dude saying he worldwide was listening baby. from Greece. I was like, what? Like, it still doesn't seem real to me because at the end of the day, we created this to have fun and talk about basketball because we love basketball. But we love basketball in the same way. As much as we love the on court stuff, we also love the shade and the drama and the juice. Right. And the tea. Exactly. And we love the culture that, you know, the NBA intersects with, let's say. And that's what makes this a lot of fun. So shouts to all the people that join in and follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, Twitter at Shell Alexander and Instagram at Shell Alexander. And the reminder, wrap it up podcast, wraps post game show. You can find after each and every Raptors game live. And then that becomes a podcast, the same exact place where you're finding this podcast right now. You can find that on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Google Play, and on YouTube. And I always quote our guy, Bomani, that says, give us five stars, because if you give us four, we're forced to think that you're a hater. <laughs> and you don't want us to think that you're a hater, right? No. So give us a no. five although stars. We, <laughs> although we, we appreciate the haters as well. Also true. Also true. <laughs> That's very true. But yes, thanks for all the subscriptions. We've hit the 1,000 subscriber mark on YouTube. So unbelievable. Which is pretty That's jokes. crazy. That's dope. That's crazy. So, Thank to, thankful to you guys for making this a thing because, to be honest, even with nobody listening, we'd still do it anyway because it's so much fun. And now that people are joining in, you guys contribute to the show just as much as we do. So greatly appreciate it. Keep commenting. Keep liking. All that fun stuff. Tell your friends because I really did used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace.
This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Ball on Blast.